0: Good to see you here this morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors up here at North Village Church. And this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. You can turn to our devotional, page 74. That's our free gift to you to follow along with the messages throughout the week. Or you can just look at Matthew uh, chapter 6. We've been teaching through the series. We call it Abundant Living. Right? We're looking at uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 throughout this series. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is inviting us to live in his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's the good news of Jesus. Just like Roberto said, we're not waiting to get to heaven one day. Like he invites us to live in uh, his kingdom, heaven on earth uh, today. And, and the, the, the importance of Matthew chapter 5 is, is that it's not about like our morality. It's not about having a certain amount of money. It's not about having like a certain family background. That if you want to enter into his kingdom right the invitation is today it was in the first day he made the offer and it's all the way till today that if you want to enter into his kingdom it is by grace through faith in jesus right that's that's the key right that's what makes jesus so important right that jesus has come to take on uh, flesh that he's lived a perfect life that he's taken our sin at the cross that he's conquered it in the resurrection so that the invitation is cast wide Right for all who believe in Jesus to trust in Him and enter into His kingdom. Praise God! Right, praise God. Um, that 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 it's possible you might hear that and you might think so. We just have to believe. Like is it is it is it that easy? Like it almost sounds too good to be true, and it is. It is that easy. Just believe in Jesus, and then the key. What we'll look at in Matthew chapter six is that if you want to experience. The glory of his kingdom, right? The fruit of living in heaven on earth, right? The peace and the joy that he has to offer. It isn't just believe, it's believe and follow him. And that's what he's drawing out in Matthew chapter 6 is as we follow Jesus, we're going to experience the joy and the peace that he has to offer. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I'll read, you follow along. Verse 25 says, for this reason, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So in verse 25, Jesus is making the point. Uh, uh, In in matthew chapter 6 of kind of do's and do nots, right? We saw this a couple of weeks ago We see it in verse 25. He's saying do not be Worried and in matthew chapter 6 jesus is drawing out this contrast of our earthly vulnerable personal kingdoms compared to his heavenly kingdom on earth, right and in our our earthly personal kingdoms are fragile Right? They're 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 vulnerable. And we're all born into these kingdoms. Like the the moment you take breath as an as an infant, we enter into our own personal kingdom, and we're trying to make it feel safe, to grow it strong, to sit on the throne. We want to make the decisions. And what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6, you're in my kingdom now. Right? This is what it was like in your earthly kingdom. You're always trying to manage your reputation. What do people think about my clothes? What do they think about my career? What do they think about my family? What do they think about my car? He's like, that's what you do in your little personal earthly kingdom. He's like, but you're in my kingdom now, right? And and your earthly kingdom, it's so vulnerable. That's what he said a couple weeks ago. It's where moth and rust destroy, right? You're in a panic trying to hold it together. He says, but you're in my kingdom now. So that in verse 25, Jesus is going to press in on an area of life where we're all too familiar with these days, which is worry and anxiety, right? right, We're uh, we're off the charts with worry and anxiety these days. And so I want to be gentle, right? I realize that for some of us, right, it's possible that worry and anxiety is hitting us so uh, hard that there's maybe uh, medical prescriptions involved, maybe there's... Uh, doctor oversight and i i get that but at the same time i don't i don't want to glaze over the weight of what jesus is communicating right this is a command in verse 25 right do not be worried about your life Right? that's the reality i mean if you look at uh just life today people are are worried about um, our government you know we're worried about our judicial system we're worried about our politicians. We're worried about the economy. We're worried about our friends. Like we're less comfortable in our own families. Like for some of us, you know, we don't like, who are these people? Like for some of us, we're less comfortable in our, in our churches. Like statistically, it's like three out of four adults, like 77% of adults are worried about the future. Right, just anxiety and and fear about what tomorrow might uh, unfold for us. So that I I, I got this information off uh, an article by American Psychological Association, and and they're just listing off all the things that people are worried about today that you see on the screen, and then within this article they had another kind of special article for worry and anxiety just for Gen Z uh, generation. So it's like how to support Gen Z. Like Gen Z is 11 to 25-year-olds, and and they're acknowledging that we're all overwhelmed by worry and anxiety. But us, you know, Gen Xers and Boomers and Millennials, we actually have like a decade of stability in our life. And so that they're just targeting like 11 to 25-year-olds are having their feet like permanently, firmly planted in the air, and they're just like, hey, let's be careful with these, uh, these guys and girls. That's it just, just a reality of like how worry and anxiety is hitting our uh, culture. But thankfully, we have uh, God's word, and so he gives us some direction towards worry and anxiety. Look at verses 26 and 27. It says, Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them are you not worth much more than they and who of you being worried can add a single hour to your life so then in verse 26 jesus says look at the bird like look at the grackle you know the wren the majestic pigeon right does does our heavenly father not care for them like they they have responsibilities in life They have to build a nest. They have offspring to raise. They have food to gather. And yet our heavenly father cares for their needs. And so how much more for you, you who are in Christ, you who are made in his image, Genesis chapter one, you who 139, Psalm 139 says that we're knit together in the womb of our mother. Right, that, that that the Father has sent the Son to take our sin upon himself so that we might be reconciled to him. He's done all of that. Will he not care for you? Like that's what Jesus is driving at. Listen so, mean, God's word is not saying our worry and anxieties are stupid. Please don't hear that. Please don't think that you know Jesus is like some heavenly drill sergeant saying, like, suck it up, you know, or stop your crying, or I'll give you something to cry about, right? (laughs) Do not worry, right? No, Jesus is saying, in Matthew chapter 6, he's saying, I get it. Like, if you're living for your earthly kingdom, like, I would be scared too. Does that make sense? Like, if your hopes are anchored in the stability where moth and rust destroy, I would be nervous too. He's like, but you're not in that kingdom anymore, right? You're in my kingdom. Does that make sense? Like through faith in Jesus, our citizenship has been transferred to a heavenly domain, right? We're under his reign. That's what he's been doing in Matthew 1, 2, 3, and 4, right? That all the promises of the Old Testament Like, do you see how powerful he is? He's defeating Satan. Like, he's overcoming temptation. Like, the voice of heaven cries out, this is my beloved son. Like, it's all supporting. Like, you're in my kingdom. Like, you have the approval and the attention of your heavenly father. You don't have to worry. Do you see the difference? It's possible that some of us are pushing back and you're thinking to yourself, but Michael... Like, some of those birds don't make it. Like, let's just be honest. Some birds get eaten by cats. Some get hit by cars. Like, what if I'm one of those birds? Right? That's where worry and anxiety gets us. Like, ah, what if I'm one of those birds? I just want to clarify. The goal of our passage is not to be worry-free, you know, so that we just walk through life with this kind of, like, goofy grin on our face. Like, Jesus will take care of me, right? And just I mean if you scan down to verse 34, Jesus says each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus understands there's challenges in life. If you're a business owner, you're going to have some challenges. If you're raising kids, you're going to have some worries. If you have a pulse, <laughs> there's going to be hiccups in in life, and so what Jesus is teaching us to do is that when we encounter those worries, to turn from those worries and to trust in His word. Does that make sense? Like write that down. Write that down in your notes. Like I'm going to have worries. When I do, turn from those worries. Trust in His word. Look at verses 28 to 30 as He keeps going. Verses 28 to 30, it's almost like Jesus is bragging about his creation. He's just like, Have you seen what I've done? <laughs> Solomon ain't got nothing. Right? I mean, Solomon had all the wealth, the women, and the warriors, right? And he says, But compared to my creation, right? The beauty of my creation. Like you ever seen like a the color like design like on a daylily? I mean, it's just gorgeous. I could just stare at it. It's just so rich and vibrant. It's beautiful. Simplicity of a Shasta daisy. You know, Shasta daisy, a little yellow dot, and those pretty crisp white petals. They're just gorgeous. Are you driven through the hill country in spring where the wildflowers are just popping, right? Sun setting, Texas sky. What do you do? You gasp. (gasps) Look at that. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. He's like, I did that. I do that every day. I make it happen every season. Season after season after season. I, I take care of those things. Surely, I'll take care of you. You follow that? It's not Jesus condemning, right? He's drilling into our thoughts. Like worries are going to come. What are you thinking about when those worries come? Our culture our culture tells us not to think, right? To be new age, to be eastern philosophy, to empty our thoughts. That's not what God's word teaches. God's word teaches us to put our thoughts on him. Like, there's your worries it's scary look at me does that make sense like you're you're in my kingdom that's why jesus zeros in on our faith in verse 30 he says you of little faith right that word faith sometimes it's a religious word we, we we say it we don't know what it means you know sometimes you know is that like when you wish upon a star just like mm, i hope it happens <laughs> like i have faith no, right, no, that's not what he's talking about like it, he's getting to our thoughts. Like what's the, the object of our faith, right? We see the worries, right? You're going to leave here today. Maybe a text, phone call, a meeting this week with a supervisor or a client or a plumber. You know, like something is going to like stir you with worry and anxiety. Where do your thoughts run in that moment? Right? do you spiral? Well, if this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens and this and this and then we die, right? <laughs> do you ideate, marinate, just replay it? right That's your thoughts, that's our thoughts. That's what he's getting at. Like you're gonna have these these thoughts. It's not that we can be robots and not have these thoughts. He's like, when you have these thoughts, turn to me. You have little faith we. We ask, help me, help me to have faith, forgive me, for, forgive me for ideating, for marinating and becoming over, overwhelmed with, with fear, like help me to trust you, help me to, to believe your word, help me to follow you, help me to, to send that prayer uh, out, to, to send that text, to, to pray for me, to go to the back on Sunday when the people are at the back, to, to go and say, hey, will you pray for me? This thing just keeps, and I want to trust, like that's what he's getting at, like what are your thoughts? The worries are going to come. Where do your thoughts go when those worries come? Look at verses 31 to 32. He says, do not worry than saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For The Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. So in verse 32, again, he's contrasting how a, how a Gentile, how we how you might believe in your earthly personal kingdom. Right? That word seek in the original language means to make an absolute priority, right? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, right? They've made it an absolute priority. Why? Because they feel all the weight. When you're in your own personal earthly kingdom, it's all on you. you got to scratch and claw to make it happen. And so you're constantly worried about what do I... What do I? What, what do people think? And what's going to happen with the economy? And what's my supervisor going to say? And then what's what's the economy? And what if that president, like whole democracy, might fall apart in China and Ukraine and just like ah ah like right? Because it's all on you. Instead, he's like, turn from that to trust in his word. Like this is why we teach the Bible, church family. Like we're not here just to listen to. What Michael or whoever is teaching has to say that day. We're here to study God's word. Why we provide a a devotional for us to read God's word throughout the week. So what is his word? Worries are going to come. What is his word that I'm putting my trust in? That's why we want to have meals with each other. When we're we're hanging out with each other, we want to speak God's word, right? Reminding one another, hey, put put your trust in God's word. Put your trust in him. You're in his kingdom now. Trust in him, right? We want to speak that over one another, over and over. That's why we're memorizing God's word. Roberto and Holly, 2 Corinthians 3. Was it 12, right? That you have this this great hope, and so be bold. That's not it. I don't have it yet. It's only February 11th. I'm still memorizing it. I'm not there yet, but we want to do it. We want to memorize it, right? That we have this great hope, and so that it would stir in us a boldness because of that hope. Like, yeah, we have men's retreats and women's retreats coming up. You don't, you don't need to go to that because you need some kind of hobby, something to do on the weekend. Like, No, we go to those things so that we can strengthen our relationships with our church families so that we can speak that truth and hide God's word in our hearts, right? Or we'll be like the Gentiles who just continue to have thoughts that drift back to seeking after our own little earthly personal kingdoms. Look at verses 33 and 34. He says, "But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own." In verses 25 to 32, it's like Jesus is um, just saying, do not, over and over. Do not, do not, do not. You're going to want to do this, don't do that. You're going to do, don't, don't, don't do that. And then 33 and 34, he's like, do this. He's like, do not, do not, do not, do not, do. Like, you're in my kingdom, seek first my kingdom. That's our call. That's our command. Like, as a follower of Jesus, you want to experience the fruit, of his kingdom, the joy that his kingdom has to offer, then we would do well than to put him first in all things. In all things, in our career, in our marriage, in our parenting, in our past, in our future, our finances, our sex life, how we interact with the internet, how we reconcile, like in all things, Put him first. I'm in his kingdom. I'm learning. I know what it's like to live in my own personal kingdom. It's fragile and it's vulnerable, It's chaotic. I'm in his kingdom now. What does it mean to live in his kingdom? Put him first. It's in all parts of our life, even our thoughts and our emotions. When they start to run, when they start to spiral, we cry out, Help me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Help me to trust you, Holy Spirit. Help me to see your word and your work is at work in my life. Amen? That's the invitation, church family. So good uh, for us. This morning, we're going to get to practice an, an application as a church family to the passage that we're learning. This morning, we're going to walk through a kind of a high level overview of the, the financial standings of our church family. And we're going to get to practice uh, not worrying and trusting in the Lord. If you're a visitor here this morning or even recently visiting, then please know this, this really isn't information for you. You could see this as like a hypothetical, right? You're just a, you're just a visitor, so we want you to embrace that. Please don't feel any kind of ownership of what we're talking about. This is just something for you to, um, to observe as a, as a practical application of like, yeah, how do we, how do we respond to the worries Uh, of our day. But if you are a part of our church family, if this is your uh, church home, then we want to ask you to lean in, lean into God's word and hold tight to what we just uh, talked about. Uh, So let's start off with our our vision as a, a church family, right? Big picture, right? Who are we as a church family? We're a family, right? So that we live for moments like this, right? Where we get to talk about How God's word intersects the realities of our life. None of us are here to play religious habit for the week. Like we want to see, like, how does my faith hit the road to the reality of life? We want to be a family, right? And we want Jesus to be at the center of our lives, right? Seek first his kingdom. And then what we believe is that when we have relationship with Jesus, relationship with one another, that it's going to propel us to care about other people, to intently Actively chase after those who are far from Christ. So that's why we exist as a church family. Big picture to how we got to this point. So just big picture of of where we are as a church family. In May 2023, we that's about nine months ago, if you guys remember, we stood up here and we talked about this is the reality, right? We're coming out of the pandemic. We encountered some challenges. This is the reality of where we are as a church family. And so how do we want to respond to that challenge? Our elders responded by saying, Hey, give me more ownership, more responsibility. I'm committed to this church family. Praise God for that. Our church family responded the same as well, to take ownership of our church family. We're incredibly grateful for that. So that over the last six months, we've seen things take place in our church family like a youth village mentoring, right, where adults are meeting with teenagers, coming alongside them. That's awesome, right? We're seeing uh, an opportunity to serve Pillow Elementary, Right, Roberto and Holly just told you about an opportunity to serve the homeless in our community. We have men's retreats and women's retreats, and new people coming to our church family and new newcomer groups that are being started. And so we're incredibly encouraged about what the Lord is doing. Lord is doing in our church family. In October, we uh, we launched a new budget. A little confusing, but we do a fiscal calendar. So from October to September is our financial standings as a church. And where our elders landed in October of 2023 is that we didn't want to pull back. We didn't want to just survive as a church family, but we wanted to thrive, right? We wanted to follow the Lord. We want to trust in him. We want to live boldly, right? So that by the month of December, we started to see some data points for our church family financially, and our elders and our financial team discussed those data points, and we thought, hey, let's just share all these data points with our our church family. Like nothing, no decisions are being made today. Nothing's falling apart today. But we're wanting to inform and communicate as, as much as possible, right? So that's, <clears throat> that's big picture. Some encouragements before we get to the challenges, right? It's important. Maybe even some of you already are starting to think about the worries. What's he going to say? What am I going to do? What does this mean for me, right? It's a good opportunity to imply God's word. Thank you, worries. We see you. Help me not to get sideswiped by those worries. Help me to listen, right? There's possible that worries could get the best of us so much that you just stop listening for the rest of the time, right? So just, help me to listen to the rest of what we're talking about. So positives. uh, One is we have a reserve of $180,000, which is incredibly encouraging. So no decisions are being made today. Um, We're we're incredibly uh, thankful for uh, the Lord's provision uh, in that way. but there's also data points that we need to encounter. And so the second thing is that our partners, if you're a partner in our church family, like every partner in our church family is giving uh, to our church family. That's awesome. Praise God for that, right? I mean, the average partner giving in our church family is somewhere between $700 to $1,200 a month. Isn't that awesome? That's like, that's like a vacation, right, that our church family, we just talked, Jesus just called us to seek first his kingdom, and we have demonstra- demonstrably uh, applied that in our church family by, by giving that money away into his kingdom and trusting him, incredibly encouraged by that. Third is we have 10 new givers over the last 12 months. So look, church isn't just about money. It's just a reality of life. It takes money, and God is bringing people that want to partner with us financially, and so we are incredibly encouraged by that information. But there are some challenges, right? There are some challenges. Um, this will be a lot of information, so hang in there with me. Our budget right now is experiencing what's called a $10,000 shortfall, right? $10,000 shortfall. We have a $30,000 uh, a month budget, and we're averaging about $20,000 a month. And, and so as a result, we're experiencing $10,000 short. Uh, our initial thought as elders and our financial team is, that's what we expected, right? We, we took a step of faith with the Lord. We wanted to uh, follow him. $180,000, if all things stayed the same, a little bit of a typo, over uh, $10,000 a month, that would be 18 months, right? That's a long time. It's a long time for the Lord to do something in the life of North Village Church. That takes us to, what is that, April 2025. So that's why I, I say, like, be encouraged, right? We're not... We're not uh, at a place of panic. This is just a place to provide uh, information. An even bigger picture than that, just want to be uh, overly clear here, like North Village Church could disappear tomorrow. The kingdom of heaven is still here. Does that make sense? Like It's not disappearing tomorrow, but I just, just want to make that, that, when you're in Christ, you're in his kingdom. It's not about North Village Church. Just want to make that uh, distinction. That's our challenges what we would consider maybe even bigger challenges so just this is the last last step here bigger challenge uh, for us to uh, consider is one we're we're experiencing something we've never really experienced in the history of our church which is we're averaging about five thousand dollars a month in outside giving that's something we've never really encountered we've always had that money come from within and so if you look at the twenty thousand dollars that's in giving We're averaging about 5,000 of that is from outside. Uh, Those are people, actually, that uh, were a part of our church family over the last couple of years. They've had to move, and they're no longer a part of us, but they're still giving financially. So we're encouraged by that, super thankful for that, but at the same time, we don't want to rely on that. And so it's just a data point. Does that make sense? All right, just a data point. Second thing is that we're experiencing large donations from within our church family. Again, super thankful for that, but from people in our church family giving large donations, we're thankful for that, but at the same time, you don't want to rely on that. And so that's another data point for us to consider as a church family. And the last one is our lease. Our lease, our commitment, we rent this space. The commitment is through August of 2026, and so as a follower of Jesus, we want to do everything we can in our power to, to make good on that commitment. And at our current trajectory, we wouldn't be able to, to do that, right, if you remember back in the previous slide. And so those are some of the challenges that we're looking to process. I know that's a lot of information. So long as you let, let you just process, you can write some things down if you want. If you have questions, go ask our financial team. they will give you better answers. Um, I mean, we're encouraged. Right now our elders are encouraged. We're optimistic. We're hopeful. Uh, But at the same time, we didn't want to look at this data in a vacuum, and we wanted to share this with our church family so that we can process these things together. Some possible questions that we might have is... um, could we cut back on the budget, yeah, right? Makes sense. Like, could we spend less? We could. Uh, right now, we're not wanting to make that decision. The Lord led us in October to, to follow him. And so just because it got a little shaky as we start to follow him, we don't want to fall away just yet. And so we're wanting to stay the course and continue to live on the budget we have. Um, could we talk to our landlord, notify them, see if there's any wiggle room? We did. There's none. And so <laughs> uh, we're, we're asking the Lord to show up then, right? And uh, so that's, what does that mean for us as a church family, right? Um, in God's grace, the Lord led our elders to teach through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 like 10, 12 months ago. And so here we are in Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus is teaching us about prayer and about fasting And about not worrying. So I'll give you a guess what you think we're going to ask our church family to do, right? We're going to ask our church family to to respond accordingly to what Jesus uh, is teaching us. First thing is that we would turn from our worries and to trust in his word. I mean, even right now that we would all be saying a little prayer to ourselves, of like, help me to trust you, Jesus. Help me to lean into you. Help me not to look at just these data points, but to see how your glory is over every point over all of humanity, right? Help us to to trust in him. I can tell you from our our perspective as elders, we are encouraged despite some of the challenges. We are hopeful. Um, We believe the Lord's doing something really special in North Village Church what we hear from you it's what we see in you right we see our banners on our building right it's a small church big heart we see that like there's something really special like the lord has gathered a people who love god's word but not like overly religious i don't know if that makes sense you know sometimes people can love god's word so much they become like argumentative and mean that's not in our church family Like, as a whole, we love God's word. We're we're not looking to just argue with people. Like, as a whole, like, we love relationships with one another. Sometimes, like, a a desire to be with one another can result in, like, control and stalking and, like, overly involved in people's lives, and it gets weird. Like, that's not, like, we're very open-handed with each other, but also care about each other. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit. Like, that's his grace. That's his gift to our church family. That's encouraging to see that. Like we have like a hodgepodge of people like in the best possible way. Like usually a church our size would all look alike, talk alike, it's kind of creepy, like dress alike, related. Like that's not really That's not the case. Like we're a hodgepodge of people that have the most common thing in Christ and yet that's what that's encouraging. That's what's building like it's not just pie-in-the-sky optimism. It's like, God, that's real. That's, that's, your, that's your hand and your fingerprints on our church family. Praise God for that. That's what makes us encouraged. And just from a personal perspective as a pastor, like, you need to know like, like I, our goal is to not get comfortable. Does that make sense? Like Our goal as a church is not just to pad our savings account. Like, the whole goal is to live by faith. As a church family, so that if the Lord dropped a million dollars in our lap tomorrow, we'll take it, right? But well, you know what our elders are going to probably do? They're probably going to lead us to a place where our budget's a million point two. I mean, <laughs> that's what because the goal is to always push out opportunities to serve Him and to make His name known. And so I just want to clarify: the goal is not to just get a padded savings account so we get comfortable so we don't ever have to pray. The goal is to live by faith and what I found is that in my life personally my walk with Jesus Like these types of moments Have been some of the best moments in my walk with Jesus Like moments where the lord has to show up like the best Like it's the best like lord. I can't do this. You got to show up I I just I want I want that for our church family. And so that's what makes us Optimistic and hopeful the second one is we want to lead us to a place of prayer and fasting, All right? February 14th to March 27th, it's six weeks, and we want to invite our church family into a time of prayer and fasting. So, you know, make note of, of these dates, All right, This is going to lead us right up to the celebration of Good Friday and Easter. But we're going to, we're going to ask you, would you consider fasting one day a week over these next six weeks? Would you consider praying in person one evening? Would you consider meeting on Zoom? And we're going to ask you to pick two of the three, right, that you would be praying and you would think to yourself, of these three options, could I pick two to make a commitment over these next six weeks to lean into the Lord and to pray about what he's doing in our church family? Even now, we're not looking you to make a decision. Right, we're just asking you to pray, and then we'll get in touch with you on Tuesday and, and ask you, hey, which one, which one of these, which two of these are you are you looking to, to make a commitment to? Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that make sense? If you have questions, you can come talk to me. But just big picture, this is like, these are the data points, these are the encouragements, these are the challenges, and this is how we're asking you to respond. What are ways the Lord might show up over these next six weeks? Well, he might lead some of us to individually give above and beyond what we're currently giving. It's possible. I'm not asking you to do that. We're asking you to ask the Lord. Is he asking you to do that? Does that make sense? Right? It's possible that he might lead some of us to invite more people to worship on Sunday mornings. Like over these next six weeks, it's possible the Lord could bring people across our path, people we haven't seen in months, people we didn't know, and that we would invite them. Hey, would you come and just see what Jesus is doing at North Village Church? It's really special. All right, he might invite you to share the gospel with some people over the next six weeks. Maybe sit down and open the scriptures. Maybe go to the break room at work. Maybe to meet at a coffee shop. Maybe to have a little Bible study at the house where you're just exploring claims of Jesus. Like we're praying for boldness as a church family. This season that's what we're asking right that he would embolden us in this time and the last one What might he do? He might be doing something that we could never ask or imagine, right? Isn't that possible that he, he well, I didn't see that coming well, I, I I didn't imagine that would happen Uh, that's what we're praying for in our church family on an individual level on a collective level Right? that's what's available for our church family. We'll make this commitment that will bring us all the way to the edge of Good Friday. We'll celebrate his death at the cross. We'll celebrate his resurrection on Easter. And we'll celebrate by a church family looking at the worries of our day, acknowledging those worries, and turning to trust in his word, in his work, in his kingdom. Amen? Amen? Yeah? Let's invite the worship team to the front. Let's lower those lights. I just want to invite you to kind of close your eyes, bow your head, and just remind us. Yeah. All the elders are coming up. This was unplanned. Okay. Let's all pray, huh? We're not making decisions today. We're not solving problems today. We're simply uh, turning to the Lord today. And we're asking him to move. Move in us. Like I, I think it's possible that the Lord might do something in our church family over these next six weeks. That it might be one of those like life altering data points that we tell for the rest of our life (laughs) right one of those moments where we're like years from now decades from now we're like well there there was this moment in austin at this church in february 2024 when the lord did this in my life that's what we're praying for that we would hear from him that we would seek first his kingdom that we would experience the joy and the grace and the peace of living in his kingdom. We trust you for that. Listen, if there's a part of you this morning that's doubting that, that's scared of that, and we'd ask you, there's people at the back. Go, go to pray. Confess your fears. Confess your lack of faith and ask for faith. Ask for help to trust him. Let's lean into him, church family. Let's trust him to work in us and through us for his glory. If there's anybody here that's yet to believe in Jesus, if you're still trying to make your personal kingdom work, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would see it's fragile, it's vulnerable. To turn from that, to trust in his kingdom, to enter in his kingdom. To believe in Jesus. Would you do that today? We thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.